And what I want to start out with my introduction before we go into uh, the meat of the sermon today is, um, have you guys ever seen on the internet those memes and everything, the expectations and then reality? And you can see them in a variety of ways. You know, you got the Pinterest ones where there's this project that looks great or a cake that looks awesome. They're going to try it and it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's like a tiger or something for a kid, something really cool. And then they, then they do it and it just looks like a cat with mange or something like that. Um, family photos, too. Family photos, I've seen them where you have this expectation of this great family photo. And then, like, some of the kids are looking off that way, some of the kids are looking that way. Obviously, someone's crying. The dad, of course, is angry. And um, I don't know. Maybe that's just my family. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But uh, we're, we're out of that stage with family photos. The kids can all look at the camera at the same time. And so I'm a lot calmer during, during the pictures, too. But expectations meeting reality. That's something that we're going to find and we're going to see tonight, especially talking about Jesus and his ministry. Um, where we left off last week, we, we talked about John the Baptist. Or Pastor Rob talked about John the Baptist and his example of humility. But even John the Baptist, he ran into this idea of Jesus sort of not meeting his expectations. If you can remember, uh, John was the one who announced that Jesus was the coming Messiah. But then he started to have his doubts. And as uh, earlier in the chapter, before we pick up, he sent uh, two of his disciples to talk to Jesus and they asked him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? And obviously Jesus uh, tells John the disciples that, well, yes, I am. But he does so in a way of saying, uh, tell them they have heard and seen the blind receiving sight, the lame walking, the lepers cleansed, the deaf hearing, the dead raised, and the poor receiving good news. That's, I mean, to me, that would be like, okay, there's something special about this guy. But that did not meet up with the expectations that John had. Um, and even though they did not meet up with the expectations that John envisioned, these are surely signs that God's kingdom was drawing near. But uh, Jesus wanted to assure both John and his disciples that, yes, indeed, he was the Messiah, but he reminded them that his power would not be displayed as a political deliverance as Rome was controlling the Jewish people at the time, but mostly in humble acts of service and meeting individual needs. And so we see this idea of what was the expectation of the Messiah, what was the expectation of Jesus and his ministry, but instead of being someone who would lead a revolt against Rome, he again displayed his power in humble acts of service, meeting individual needs. Jesus wanted to, uh, he, rem um, he is now addressing the crowds as we pick up here. He's addressing the crowds and the religious leaders about the, re the reality versus the expectations. And so we're going to dive into the text. We're going to start in uh, verse 15 in Matthew chapter 11, and it reads like this. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace, calling out to others. 
We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dridge, and you did not mourn. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he has a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Verse 20, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For the miracles that were performed in you had been if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, you will be lifted into the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades, for the miracles that were performed in you had, had been seen in Sodom. It would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. And so, as we go through these verses here, um, the first part we're going to be looking at in verses 15 through 19 is just the people are growing frustrated with Jesus' ministry. You know, it says, uh, to what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling out to others. We played the pipe for you. You did not dance. We sang a dridge. You did not mourn. And so what's going on here is this is an a, a illustration of how pretty much the Jewish people at right now are being like whiny children. Uh, when they talk about the marketplace, as parents would go to the marketplace and do whatever they did at the marketplace, they would bring their children. And the children would tag along and meet up with other children and they would participate and play games. And in this case, a couple of games that they would play is wedding and funeral. Okay, sounds like fun. But in, in Jewish culture, in Jewish culture, these were the big social events. So in a wedding... Uh, the bride and the groom and the family would march around the streets and everybody would be celebrating, dancing, joyous music to celebrate the wedding. And likewise, uh, just a little, a few notches down on the joy meter, during a funeral, they would have a procession in the streets and walk around and everybody would mourn the loss or show respects to the loss, to the, to the person who passed away. And they would carry them above their heads. And these were some of the two significant um, celebrations in Jewish culture. And so as the kids played, they played what they saw emulated, or they were emulating what they saw in their society. And so this is what Jesus is referring to. Uh, you uh, were doing this thing here. I'm doing my ministry, and you guys don't want to play. Now, I don't know, for those of you who have kids, I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, a kid, unhappy, sitting with his arms crossed, saying, I don't want to play. Why? Because they're not playing how I want to play. Parents, amen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play how they play. And so Jesus is comparing uh, the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people to those kids. And they don't want to participate. They don't want to play. In fact, all they want to do is sit there and pout and criticize how they're playing. 
they don't want to play, but they want to criticize how they're playing. They were acting as bratty kids because Jesus was not playing the way that they wanted to play. In verse 18, they criticized John and how he lived far off in the wilderness, dressed like a madman. He even ate things that were not easy to eat. And so John came as a burial, so he is a demon. You know, you look at the image of John, and yes, he was a very humble person, but you look at that and it's like, oh, that's sort of depressing how he lived. And here it's sort of represented as, as the burial play. But on the other hand, in verse 19, they criticized Jesus because he was too social. He was always among the people. He went to the houses for a meal. He went to weddings. He went to the temple. He ate with sinners. And he was just with the people. And so he must be a glutton and a drunkard. And that was their criticized to Jesus. And so they were acting like bratty children simply because, and they were criticizing Jesus because he was not meeting their expectations. The expectations weren't being met and they found the reality disappointing for them. The work that the Jews were looking for was not the work that Christ came to do. The Jews expected an immediate reign on earth. When Jesus was talking about a kingdom, they were like, okay, let's do this. Let's set it up. Jesus also re uh, rejected the religious leader's authority to interpret the law of Moses. And a lot of the Jews also expected Jesus to lead a revolt, the Messiah to lead a revolt against Rome and give the Jewish people their freedom. He didn't do this. Jesus didn't match their expectations because their expectations were incorrect. Now let's uh, sort of make this personal now. Have there been times where God hasn't matched your expectations? Um, you know, I've often heard the, the misconception that if you choose to follow God, your life will, must get easier. I can't trust in a God that allows pain and suffering. A lot of times we also think that there's some transactional relationship that we have with God. If we do good, God will bless us. If we do bad, oh, watch out, he's going to curse us. He's going to strike us down. Those are wrong expectations to have. God's kingdom, as we've been talking about, as we've been going through Matthew, is upside down to the normal operating system of the world. It's not going to make sense. You see, when God fails to meet our expectations, it's just simply our expectations are incorrect. So not only are the people growing frustrated with Jesus' ministry, Jesus is frustrated with the indifference of the people. And now after months and months of pleading, of preaching and teaching and healing and basically banning all illness and disease from their cities 
after raising their dead, after cleansing lepers, after casting out demons, these people still aren't getting it. They still aren't, he uses the word repent. They won't repent. And repentance is just, a a definition of that is repentance is a change of heart and mind that brings us closer to God And it includes turning away from sin and turning to God for forgiveness. It is motivated by love for God and a sincere desire to obey him. And then Jesus goes on to name three towns that were pretty much the epicenter of his ministry. He names um, uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida and Capernaum. And Capernaum, if you go through the ministry of Jesus, you hear that a lot. That was his home base. When he moved from Nazareth, that's where he settled down, and that was like uh, Jesus and disciples' headquarters during the three years. It was the center of all his ministry and perhaps no one saw more miracles than the people of Capernaum. And Chorazin and Bethsaida were towns that were also near the Sea of Galilee, near Capernaum. Um, and so this was sort of like the evangelical triangle, I guess, of cities. Jesus did these miracles in these towns and they did not repent. They saw his work and heard his teaching, and they demonstrated that he was the Messiah. He pointed him to the kingdom that was coming, and yet they did nothing. They saw all these things, and yet they were just like, show me more. And not only does uh, Jesus rebuked them. He does school in a very old school manner. He uses the Old Testament phrase, woe to you. And this phrase would have been uh, very familiar with the Jewish people. The prophets of old would pronounce judgment on uh, the judgment of God on the cities beginning with the phrase, woe to you. Woe to you, to put it, put, to put it in uh, today's Lexicon is, I'm getting ready to lay the smack down. <laughs> Jesus then strengthens his judgment by comparing them to some historically evil towns, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. Now, Tyre and Sidon were cities uh, on the Phoenician coast that would have represented godless areas of the region. These were the areas that the Jewish people would know that God judged them because they were evil. And then there's Sodom, and that was a region so sinful that God told Abraham he would not destroy it if he could find but ten righteous people. There weren't ten righteous people. It was destroyed. And so these, these Jewish peoples hear this message and I can't imagine what they would think. I'm sure they were just appalled that this person who in their eyes was disappointing is all of a sudden casting judgment. Jesus, 
Jesus said that if these three cities, have, these evil cities had witnessed the work that Jesus was doing in the region of Galilee, that these three cities would have, would have repented and done so in sackcloth and ashes, which was a sign of extreme repentance. He then goes on to say that their judgment will be, will be worse than those three cities. Why did he say that? It's because they had more revelation than Sodom. They had the Son of God with them, performing miracles, performing all these signs, telling them, hey, I'm here to establish my kingdom, but you need to repent. And the Jewish people were indifferent. They had the Son of God preaching to them, healing them, and yet they were still indifferent. The religious people were so focused on how Jesus could fulfill their own interests that they completely missed his purpose. Now, I don't know if that's something we, we struggle with today, but again, going back to that I, transactional mentality of what it is to have a relationship with God, sometimes we look for, well, what's in it for me? And that was definitely what the Jewish people were doing. Well, the, the crowds were following him because what could I get out of it? Or what could we get out of it? And sure, there were some people who truly repented in, in, in this time, but the majority were just waiting for what's next? What's next? When is he going to go walk into, uh, and, and, and release us from this Roman authority? Jesus was right in front of them, calling out to them with love and inviting them to, a new life, to the new life that he gives. They have seen him, encountered him, but they're indifferent and unconcerned because they only care for themselves. So we talked a lot about the, you know, the, the incorrect expectations of the ministry of Jesus. And that's because the work that the Jews were looking for was not the work that Christ came to do. Luke 19.10 says this. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, the problem with people who are concerned about themselves and their own interests is that they don't realize they're lost. The P Jewish people didn't realize they were lost. They were trying to find their salvation through keeping up their religious appearances, keeping up their religious knowledge, and, and also by their politics, thinking that Jesus was going to free them from Rome. Jesus warned them uh, that not turning from their own interests would lead to a harsh judgment. And sort of Paul in Romans, he sort of sums this up really well in uh, chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 he says brothers my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved for I can testify about them that they are zealous for God but their zeal is not based on knowledge since they do not know righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own they did not to submit to God's righteousness Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. 
You see, these, the Jewish people were just so concerned about uh, their own agendas and that they just missed the picture completely that a real relationship with God begins with Christ. Only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can escape this harsh judgment. And now, we're sort of coming to the end here and we're ending sort of on a, on a, on a dark note. We've heard this judgment uh, get cast on, the, on, on these followers here, and it's not, it's not a pretty way to end. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to next week. We're going to talk more about this next week. But at the end of the chapter in verse 28, it, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and uh, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a complete 180. That's a complete 180 to woe to you to come to me and I'll give you rest. The difference in that is where is, is going back to that keyword to repent, to realize that being in our, in our self-involvement and trying to find self, uh, uh, be self-righteous is just going to lead to destruction. But when we repent and turn from our sins, we can go to a, uh, a loving God who accepts us and wants to give us rest. What a difference we see there. What a difference we see there. It's easy to think that we can just miss the forest through the trees. We can get caught up of what God wants to do with us or what we think God sh- could do for us. And again, it's adjusting the expectations. If our expectations are just to, if they're off, if we're being disappointed by God, God's not changing. We have to, we have to adjust our expectations. And so tonight, if you are here and you've not made Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, he has the invitation right there. Come to him. Come to him if you're weary and burdened and he will give you rest. That's the reason Jesus came. Not for a political revolt, not to usher in uh, a, a kingdom for, uh, to give the Jews re- religious freedom. He came to seek and save. He came so 2,000 years ago he could die on the cross, take our sins on the cross, and rise again so that we can enter into a relationship with him. That is the invitation today. As we talk about this, I understand that 
this might open up some questions. We would love to answer them. If you don't know what it means to have, ask, have Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and leader of your life, we have a church staff here who would love to talk to you about that. We can talk tonight. We can get coffee. Everyone here loves to drink coffee. We would really like that. And so as I finish up, how are your expectations matching up? I know it with, with marriage, a lot of times disappointment is a lack of or false expectations or poor expectations. And the same thing in, with a relationship with Christ. If we're not having satisfaction with God, it's because some expectations aren't matching up. And so what, what do you need to change to find satisfaction and to find joy in, with your relationship with God? Let's finish with prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word. I love, I, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for uh, this picture Father, it's easy to, to cast judgment on the Jewish pe- people here, Lord, and, and think, how could they not see it? But Father, every time, every day we make little decisions that pretty much are the same thing and reject you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're You're a Lord of forgiveness. And Lord, if we just humble ourselves and say, I'm sorry, God, you will forgive us. Lord, I just pray as we just examine ourselves that we can be honest and really see if our expectations match your character. And Father, I just... Thank you again for the rest that we can find in you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die on the cross. And Lord, through him that we can have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.